This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, July 26th, 2023. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Well, this week I'm serving up a slight departure from the usual as I dedicate this episode of Franchise Today to National Chicken Wing Day, coming up in three short days on Saturday the 29th, and to the upcoming National Buffalo Wing Festival just 38 days out, which will once again be presented by Wing King Drew Serza on the actual playing field at Highmark Stadium, home of the Buffalo Bills. If anything could be cooler than spending a weekend sipping beer and grazing over a hundred different award-winning styles of chicken wings, it would have to be doing it while hanging out on an NFL field. Come on! That's just not something we get to do every day. And there will be competitions galore throughout the weekend, leading up to the main event, the United States Competitive Wing Eating Championships, featuring Mickey Sudo defending her title against Joey Chestnut and Jeffrey Esper, among others, who she dethroned last year, eating 246 wings in 12 minutes compared to his 244. It sounds impossible, but it's still a long way from the best. In 2019, Jeffrey Esper ate 281 wings, and from Joey's record of 286. And then, there'll be the Buffalo Buffet Bowl. Adding pizza and roast beef to the menu, along with wings, the amateur chicken wing eating competition, the triple X hot wing eating contest, the flying goose sriracha hot wing eating contest, the college wing eating competition, and of course, the restaurants from the world over competing for bragging rights for most creative sauce and flavor profiles in the traditional barbecue, teriyaki, and honey categories. My personal favorite contest to watch is the Bobbing for Wings, where goggled competitors bob for wings in a pool of blue cheese, or the ever-popular Baby Wing Contest, featuring some of the most creative parents who showcase their toddlers outfitted in wing regalia. More about the festival in a few minutes, when the Wing King himself drew Serza drops by to chat. But first, more about the holiday right after this timeout. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. Franchisors of restaurants, bars, and grills, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. If you're looking to engage guests, elevate profits, and enhance your customer experience, Atmosphere TV is the answer. What's Atmosphere, you ask? Atmosphere is the world's number one streaming TV service for businesses, here to help you make more and save big on overpriced cable packages. Atmosphere provides you with a free programming option, bringing more than 60 ultra-engaging, audio-optional channels designed to please customers and increase their average ticket. So, how does it work? Well, it's easy. Upon sign-on, Atmosphere sends you a free device, loaded with over 60 channels of 
of eye-grabbing entertainment. From news and sports to viral videos and fuzzy animals, every channel is family-friendly and designed to keep your customers happy and engaged. Plus, thanks to Atmosphere's 100% audio-optional format, the programming is perfect for any setting, no matter how loud or busy. So stop playing and paying overpriced cable. Go with free TV instead. Just go to atmosphere.tv forward slash sign up and use the code FRANCHISE and Atmosphere will waive the usual one-time $99 activation fee for your free-to-stream device. Visit Atmosphere online at atmosphere.tv and remember, use the code FRANCHISE to waive your one-time activation fee. Visit atmosphere.tv to elevate your franchise's entertainment experience today. If ever you needed an excuse to eat chicken wings at all three meals on any given day, this would be that day. July 29th, National Chicken Wing Day. This holiday, devoted to all things wings, was established back in 1977 by then Buffalo, New York Mayor Stan Makowski. The holiday originally celebrated Buffalonians' penchant for consuming thousands of pounds of chicken wings at restaurants every week. According to the New York Times, Buffalo's Anchor Bar is largely credited with inventing the modern-day traditional buffalo wing back in 1964. And while the Anka Bar forever retains the title of first in class, others like Duff's Famous Wings, where wings have been served since 1969, have become known as best in class and as the place that has perfected them. Duff's, also Buffalo-based and in business since 1946, is now franchising nationwide, bringing the taste of Buffalo's best wings and beef on weck to communities all over the country, as these once-exclusive Western New York menu offerings have exploded in popularity over the past 20 years. In large part, that was made possible by a guy who joins us next, my good friend and Buffalo Wing Hall of Flame board member and inductee Scott Lowry, co-founder of Buffalo Wild Wings. Hello, Scott Lowry, and welcome to Franchise Today. Hi, Stan. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure having you, Scott. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. So, Scott, Buffalo Wild Wings didn't go public and break out globally from its regional status until much later. But none of that would have happened at all had it not been for you and your partner, Jim Disbro. If you hadn't started B-Dubs or Buffalo Wild Wings or BW3, as some people call it, way back in 19, what, 81 or 82? 1982. And when you did it, you did it with fits and starts along the way and built that brand to the size that later made it attractive for private equity and for an IPO after that. But what about those early days? What even inspired the idea? Where did you two get this idea? What were you doing? I know Jim was an ice skating champion, but what about you? What brought you together and where did the idea come from? Well, Jim, as you said, was a figure skater and my parents were actually his coaches. And so he lived in my house as he was growing up. There was actually about 10 years between us. And he and I had gotten together in Kent, Ohio, where he was doing a figure skating event. And we went out that evening and had a couple beverages and we were pretty hungry after visiting a few bars in the area. And when we came out of one establishment, there was a Euro stand out there on the street serving Euros. And he was like, hey, how about one of these? And I was like, eh, I'm not sure. Quite honestly, there was flies buzzing around. It didn't look very appealing. I mean, it was the meat was exposed to the elements. So, I mean, they couldn't keep the flies away. And they, they, they're up and down the street, you know, around Ohio State. Everybody eats them. You know, we go, there's like chicken wings. I went, hold on, hold on, buddy. We're in Ohio. There's no chicken wings here. 
You know, back in <laughs> Buffalo, there was plenty of chicken wings, but you're in a whole another land right now, the land of no chicken wings. And he goes, oh, no, there's chicken wings. I went, no, 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 there isn't. It was a brotherly bet. We'd actually always bet $5, but we never really paid each other, and which was fortunate because mm-hmm. I was a college student at the time. And I had absolutely no money, and I still had a couple years to go. So we went around Kent, Ohio about midnight, and the deal was by 2 o'clock in the morning, if he could find chicken wings, I'd win. If he couldn't find chicken wings, I lost. And what was worse was we hadn't eaten anything. But sure enough, I ended up winning the bet, and we never got anything to eat that evening. And unfortunately, with his schedule, he goes, well, we got to get up at 6 a.m. This is 2 a.m. I'm like, oh, great, four hours. This is wonderful. So we were at a motel. We get up the next morning. We go to Waffle House, and we're sitting there. He goes, that's a great idea we had last night. I'm like, what? He goes, open a chicken wing restaurant. I was like, we we, we were talking about opening a chicken wing restaurant? I'm like, okay, well, you know what? That's probably a good career for myself because right now I have really no plan. And so that was how the idea came about. This was about 1979, I think, when we basically had the idea, but it wasn't until 19... 19- 82 that we actually got the store open. We tried to actually get it open in 81, a year before we actually opened. We found a, a location for ourselves at Ohio State, but the landlord wasn't going to or wasn't going to allow us to have liquor on the property. And so we decided, well, we really don't want to go forward with having wings without beer. So we tabled the idea and I was kind of happy about it because I really did want to finish my senior year and get my college degree after I'd spent some time doing that. So I went back to school and I actually wrote papers about opening a chicken wing restaurant. When I took advertising classes, I was using Buffalo Wild Wings and which was the name we were going to use at the time, as my idea in many of the papers and projects I did at school. So I had been working on it. Jim worked on it. We had four partners the year before. We lost one. I came out of school. I said, let's get this thing going. He goes, are you sure? I went, yeah, I, I, really, I got nothing else to do. <laughs> I moved in with him during the summer of 1982, and we were around places trying to line up suppliers and all this. Well, it really was fortunate for us that somebody else from Buffalo, again, we weren't the first to have this idea. Also had that idea that year before when we tried to open, but we didn't get open. And they went and opened a location at Ohio State also. But unfortunately, the name they came up with didn't do the product justice. And I really confused the customer. They had the idea of chicken and wings, and they married those words together and called it Ching's Wings, which really did not mm, tell you they were both doesn't work. No. So they, they opened up in September. They closed in January of 82. Jim had spied the location, you know, basically that spring. And so we approached them that summer of 1982 and said, hey, you guys want to lease us the place? So with our lack of funds, it became a blessing that they had a business there and basically everything you needed to do a chicken wing restaurant. And we were so undercapitalized, it wasn't even funny. I mean, my investment was $5,000. Jim's was $5,000. Another guy was $5,000. And like I said, we lost our fourth partner. It was going to be 5000 We would only have 20 But since it was a year later and we were finding a new partner, the poor guy who came in in the end, a guy named Bernard Spencer, his entry was $5,000 plus a $15,000 loan to us. So with whopping $35,000, we got off the ground and we used most of that money to open the store. We changed the paint colors inside. We changed a few things inside. Primarily, we invested in a sign for the the restaurant and that cost us a good portion of our, our startup funds. And we opened the door with literally no experience between all of us. I had the most experience, and that wasn't much. All right, so fast forward for us. Take us to a next milestone that was a turning point or an inflection point that kind of catapulted you to the next stage. 
Okay, well, we proceeded to open up a store about a year, but we ran into problems, quite honestly, very quickly. Our, our second store we opened up, I should have listened to ourselves in the beginning. We didn't open up the store in 1981 because the place wasn't going to offer beer. What do we do in like 1983? We go out and find a location in Westerville, Ohio, and open it up because it's a restaurant that's turnkey. And again, that helps our financial position. But it was in Westerville, Ohio, which is the home of the temperance movement, which prohibition still existed in 1983. And you could not have a liquor or beer license in that area. So here we were bucking the trend, trying to just do wings only. And that really kind of hurt us tremendously, almost put us out of business. I mean, right away out of the gate, <laughs> we make a big mistake that just about puts us out of business. So again, we, we always make kind of like the craziest decisions, I always felt. To get ourselves out of the hole, we opened a third restaurant, <laughs> which doesn't make sense, I think, when I look back. But it doesn't make sense because we were like going, well, if we have two winners and one loser, it was for sure better than one winner and one loser. So we went back to campus. We opened a south location. And between the two campus locations, we lived out our lease in the Westerville location, which was only 18 months. And when that 18 months was up, we said, here, Mr. Landlord, here's your keys and place back. We're going to wait until there's a... Uh, alcohol in this area to come back, which wasn't for many, many years that Westerville ever did finally change from a dry area. But then I'd say the next really big thing, as we progressed, we could only find ourselves with enough capital, maybe do one store every one or two years. And we knew we would not build a big chain because if in 20 years we could only do 10 to 20 stores, that wasn't going to be that big of a chain. So in the late 80s, we said, do we want to open one more store or do we want to take the funds for this store and try to do a franchising? So we went to a company out of Chicago and asked for their assistance because that's what they did is they helped set up franchises. And they gave us a package of all the things we needed to do to set up franchising, educated us a little bit on franchising, the laws and everything, and we started franchising. And I would say that was the next really biggest thing that then allowed us really to catapult ourselves from doing one or two stores a year to doing multiple stores. I'll tell you what, again, unbelievable, and again, mistakes we make, but it was literally exponential. I remember uh, basically we started, I think the first franchisee we had was in 92, and there was one in that year. And then 93 came along and we did two. So we're up to three stores plus the couple we had, which was about eight. So we were about 11. But anyway, from 93 was two, 94 was four, 95 was eight, and 96 was 16. And it was about that point in time when we had the growth of 16 stores in one year, doubling the amount of franchises we had. I hate to say the wheels were almost getting a little shaky and almost coming off. The growing pains were just exceeding us. And what we needed to bring in or the way of management we had been doing, and we had to take a pause at that point in time and reassess how fast we could grow and realize that we couldn't grow as fast as we wanted to and, and we slowed it down a little bit. <laughs> what, at what point did private equity come in, Scott? Well, I mean, depends on what you're saying, private equity. What we did... <laughs> All along in the early days, as I said, there was four of us in the beginning. As we grew, the only way we could bring in money was to sell shares and bring in partners. So as we did the Westerville store, we brought in our fifth partner. As we did the South Campus store, we brought in our sixth partner. Then when we did a Cincinnati store, we brought two more partners. So we're at eight partners by the time we had three stores. And that was one of the other reasons we knew that we needed to do franchising because we knew we can't just keep bringing partners and keep diluting and diluting and diluting ourselves. Now, we did bring in one other 
partner in the 90s, a significant person with a significant amount of cash. But again, at that point was when we knew we were going to then go forward to going become a public store. We tried to become public in, I think, 1996. And unfortunately, that year just didn't work out for us. So we had to step back, regroup. And then it wasn't really for six more years until 2003 that we finally did go public. And that was a big day. That was a lot of fun. That was a big day for me, too, because I was at Wing Zone then, and we were little known, and we were still maybe 30 or 35 or 40 stores, someplace around that. But the halo effect that you gave us, I mean, we, we didn't know each other yet then, Scott, but no. what you did for you and your partners and your group was a gift to my partners and my group because the awareness factor of Wings went through the roof after you guys floated the IPO. And now the whole world wanted to be associated somehow with Chicken Wings and Wing Zone. We got a lot of attention as the result of that. And between the halo effect of your IPO and our impact with Drew and the Buffalo Wing Fest, we were off and running. That's good. So when did you cash out completely? When were you done? Well, when the company went public, I held on to my stock. I mean, I sold some and I retired, but I held on to the stock as long as the company was public. And then, oh, what was it, 2017, I believe, the company completely turned around and went back to becoming a private company. And at that point in time, anybody who did have public shares had to turn them in and receive cash for them. Whether you wanted to sell them or not, you had to turn them in because the deal was made with what would become Inspire Brands, but at the time it was just Arby's. And and they bought up the entire stock on the entire street of, of Buffalo Wild Wings to become back to a private company, which it is now. So when Arby's bought up my stock was when I was done owning any ownership in Buffalo Wild Wings. Cool. If it was still public, I'd still own some shares. But what a ride. What a ride. So, Scott, today, you're out of that business, but your heart and soul are still in it. We work closely with the National Buffalo Wing Festival's Hall of Flame. You're an inductee mm -hmm. into the Hall of Flame. I inducted you way back when, and now yeah. you sit on the board with us as well. What does Scott Lowry do on National Chicken Wing Day, and where does he do it? Well, I tend to eat chicken wings, and it tends to be whatever city I'm in. Now, uh, fortunately, this year, I I've got a little bit better plans laid out. I'm actually going to be at a Buffalo Wild Wings, and I'm proud to say, actually, my son is the assistant general manager at the location I'm going to be at. How about that? So the apple didn't fall far from the tree. No, nope. and my other child is also working at Buffalo Wild Wings. I wish I kind of owned it so that they'd have a little bit greater paycheck, but they're working hard to get where they're at right now. Well, maybe they'll do just kind of like you and Jim did, and they'll find their way to the sunlight. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they will. Scott, appreciate you jumping on with me today to talk about this and to celebrate and to share a little bit of wing and franchise history with the audience. My pleasure, Stan. Great talking with you. Now, just ahead of introducing the wing king himself, Drew Serza, let's take a minute here to review some of those in the franchise food sector, featuring wings and other things and what it is that they're serving up for National Chicken Wing Day. Charlie's, renowned for cheesesteaks, is celebrating National Chicken Wing Day anyway, and they're doing so with a variety of offers for their rewards members. On July 29th, Charlie's rewards members will get three times points on any wing purchases. In addition, for rewards members who join the platform ahead of July 29th, they can receive a per personalized wing offer by favoriting a Charlie's location on the app. Charlie's offers a variety of boneless and classic wings in sauces ranging from sweet teriyaki to hot honey and Korean barbecue. Italian franchise chain Fazoli's gives away five free boneless wings with any purchase when you use the code WINGDAY. And even 7-Eleven is getting in on the action with two new flavors on their Korean barbecue boneless wings. The Korean barbecue flavor, 7-Eleven said, features 
lightly breaded all-white meat chicken that is coated generously with a savory and sweet soy, garlic, and pepper glaze sauce and is available at participating 7-Elevens. Who even knew that 7-Eleven played in this space? My old alma mater, Wing Zone, is offering a single chicken wing for 75 cents for one day only on July 29th. Applebee's is offering buy one, get one free deals on any to-go or delivery order with the promo code WINGDAY at checkout. Wing It On is giving six free chicken wings with an order of 12 classic wings through their app, online or in stores, with the promo code WINGDAY6. And would this report be complete without talking about Hooters? They're giving away 10 free chicken wings with a purchase of any 10 wings, and Wingstop is offering five free classic or boneless wings when you dine in or order through the app with a minimum $10 purchase. Just make sure to use the promo code FREEWINGS with your order to get your freebie. The deal is available all day long on the 29th. Wingstop is also donating a dollar to Wingstop Charities for every redemption, which supports youth in communities through sports, arts, and career development. And to round it all out, Buffalo Wild Wings will celebrate National Chicken Wing Day by giving customers free food. Customers can get six free boneless or traditional wings with any $10 dine-in purchase. Those free wings can be sauced with any of the brand's 26 signature sauces and seasonings. You can follow the Hashtag National Chicken Wing Day on Twitter for other deals, freebies, and offers. And speaking of Buffalo Wild Wings, a couple of new friends of mine here in Atlanta have started a podcast devoted exclusively to wings. They call it Wings and Things. The premise being, what could be cooler than three or four guys getting together to eat wings and talk about things? I'm going to be joining them next week for an upcoming episode, and I've invited Eric Crosby from Wings and Things to join us here today to tell us about the podcast, and speaking about Buffalo Wild Wings, the timing couldn't be any better, as they've been promoting a bracketing competition featuring an array of Buffalo Wild Wings sauces. Listen. Hey everyone, this is Eric, one of the hosts of the Wings and Things podcast, and we are very excited about National Chicken Wing Day coming up. We are releasing a special bonus episode, and you can go check that out wherever you're listening to Franchise Today right now in your podcast app of choice. Go search for Wings and Things. You can find all of our episodes, but especially on National Chicken Wing Day, you can find a special bonus episode, and it's a quick one. It's a short one, and we just we talk about wings. We talk about our love for wings. You can go back to last season. We did a special National Chicken Wing Day episode. We debated the uh, qualities of drums versus flats. And which one was better? Spoiler alert, it's a chicken wing. It's delicious, and we're going to eat them both. So this season, though, we've got something special going on with Buffalo Wild Wings. We're doing a tournament of sauces, so we're trying every single sauce that Buffalo Wild Wings has, and we're doing them all in kind of like a March Madness bracket kind of style. So we're having a whole lot of fun with that this season in Season 2, and we really would love for you to join us, to follow along, to listen along with us when we try to crown the best buffalo wild wings sauce at the end of the season but for national chicken wing day special bonus episode is going to drop on national chicken wing day on a saturday which is a terrible time to drop a podcast episode but we're doing it anyway we're staying true to the day 
we're going to celebrate chicken wings with a bonus episode. So we hope you uh, will follow along and join us on National Chicken Wing Day, and we hope you enjoy the rest of franchise today. And speaking of friends and family, our old friend Trey Doster, formerly of Fried Chicken Tender fame, stopped by to wish us a great National Chicken Wing Day. Hey, Franchise Today, this is Trey Doster from Athens, Georgia, representing ServiceMaster Brands. On National Chicken Wing Day, I will be celebrating at Amici's in Athens, Georgia. They've got uh, several locations popping up around you. Founder is Mike Torino. They are known for amazing pizza, but I go to Amici's for their wings. I feel like they've got the best ones in Athens, and their signature sauce is a honey hot sauce that they even sell as a to-go item. So, that's where Trey Doster and family will be celebrating. Hope everyone has a great National Chicken Wing Day. Thanks, Trey. Here's to you. Now, let's talk about the Wing Fest itself and how closely the Wing community mirrors our beloved world of franchising. We'll do that as I'm joined by the Wing King himself, National Buffalo Wing Fest founder and promoter, Drew Serza. Drew Serza, welcome to Franchise Today. Stand. Pleasure to be here. Always great to talk to you, my friend. So, Drew, we've got a lot of history. We go back 20-some-odd years at this point, and we could probably fill up a whole lot more than a portion of a podcast walking through all the memories and all the things that we've experienced together as you've grown this amazing event that is now global in its scope. People coming from how many countries and how many states every year? You know, Stan, it's great. We have a, a great tourism agency here called Visit Buffalo Niagara, and they track people through their visitor center that they set up right at the festival. And usually we get, well, one year, we, a couple of years, we had all 50 states represented. And, you know, we'll get 46, 47, 48. It's, it's amazing. But one year we had people from 46 different countries, which is just unbelievable. Last year, I think we had about 26 different countries. So it just shows the, the scope of where chicken wings have gone around the world. No doubt. They are ubiquitous, and they're celebrated not just far, and wide outside of Buffalo, as you're saying, but now the world over. But we should note, Drew, that while Buffalo cornered the market in the beginning as wings being just a regional food, it was a whole lot later before Buffalo had its own festival to celebrate the wing. So I'm curious for you to share with the audience what inspired the birth of the festival. How come it took until 2002 to create a festival in Buffalo to celebrate a food that had been around since the 60s? You know, Stan, sometimes the obvious just isn't obvious. <laughs> staring you right down your face, right? <laughs> it's, uh, there was actually a movie called Osmosis Jones, and it was put together by the Farley brothers, who did, it was called Me, Myself, and Irene, something about Mary, like famous guys. And they had Bill Murray as a fictitious character who's a big junk food eater. And his goal was to go to the Buffalo Wing Festival. They just assumed there was one, and there really wasn't. And that was the irony of it all. And Don Esmond, a writer for the Buffalo News, saw the movie and thought, geez, why doesn't Buffalo have a festival to celebrate? I mean, they're called Buffalo Wings all over the country because they came from Buffalo. It's ridiculous that we don't. So he did this, put an article together out in the Buffalo News, and I saw it. And I thought I had some of the skill set to put it together, and I'm a real Buffalo guy. And I went to a two-year college out of high school that was literally across the street from the Anchor Bar. So I paid my dues, and I ate many a wings during college, and I figured I was the guy to do it. And just went for it. There was no manual. You just had to figure it out as you go along. And I think what I didn't realize was the community in the food industry, especially in the franchise world and independent restaurant world, how it is a big community. And I built some great partnerships and friendships along the way, and we all work together to create this festival that's now going to go into its 22nd year. So you were already in kind of a related business, right? You were in food brokerage? 
Yeah, I, I marketed food products that were sold in the supermarket. So I dealt with a lot of the food brokers and manufacturer reps. So I had a feel for how the industry worked and where the marketing dollars were. And I also participated individually for companies in events. So I had a little bit of a feel for it. And the thing is, you just have to go for it. I took a home equity loan out of my house and luckily rolled the dice and it worked. And I didn't realize how important it was going to be to Buffalo and how people would travel for far and abroad to come to this spectacle, as we call it. And we have so many fun things that go on, but we also have usually over 100 different styles of sauces as these eateries across the country have kind of taken their regional flair and put it into the sauce on a chicken wing. So it's a very unique event where you can sample so many different flavors. What do you think of my attempt to become a little like George Shea, our great host at the festival every year, with me calling the Wing Fest the world's greatest celebration of gastronomical gluttony? What do you think? <laughs> you know what? If George retires from July 4th, Stan, maybe you can get the gig. You know, we'll put, you, we'll put some training wheels on you. What do you think? What do you think about talking about year number one? 2002 was that disaster with turkey fires. What a train wreck that was. Well, you tell it the way it is, don't you? Uh, <laughs> it was just that. I mean, think about 100. I didn't know how, idea how to cook all these wings. I had no idea how many to order or how many people would come to this festival. So I rented out the minor league baseball stadium in downtown Buffalo and just hoped for the best. And we had all these turkey fryers set up. And I had to fly restaurants in, pay them, pay their hotel rooms, pay their I mean, nobody nobody believed in this thing. My feeling is if I built it, they would come. And that first festival, one thing I learned about the restaurant business is they don't get up early. So it was like 1030 in the morning. We were opening the gates at noon. We literally had lines around the city block waiting to come into the festival. And the restaurants weren't there yet. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, this is Not the good. start Not the good. end of Serza, right? <laughs> Not good. So now I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? And the restaurants started coming in and we started cooking the wings and you know, half the wings froze on the truck, so we're dropping frozen wings and hot oil and turkey fryers and fires in the tents. It was a bit of a disaster, but we had cold beer. And I remember one of the restaurant guys coming up to me and saying, Drew, I got to tell you something. This festival is crazy. It's just a disaster, but I've never seen so many people smiling, having fun in my life. <laughs> it was just, you're on the baseball field like you're at Yankee Stadium, Stan. And there was something, you could tell there was something special. And we needed to get through that first one and then figure it out. And we did, you know, but I think, especially when you talk about food, people make the experience, right? You go in a restaurant, food's food. It's, hopefully it's good, but your experience is important, whether it's a server, the host, the bartender, and you walk out, there's a culture you have to create within your four walls, and it's no different than a festival. You create a culture, a community, and that's what we've done over the years. You've done more than that, actually, Drew, because truthfully, you would be an incredible franchisor. You would be everything that a franchisor should be. I've watched over 20 years, I've watched as you built your ops manual. I've watched as you've systematized every single piece and part of that festival. It's scripted, planned, how many steps from here to there, when do you take them, why do you do it this way instead of that way? You would be the ultimate franchisor in my mind, whether it was chicken wings or anything. You understand the processes and the systemization that makes franchising succeed. Well, I appreciate that, Stan. And I think when you talk about franchises, I was talking to some guys that basically Craveworthy Brands, the founder, I think his name is Greg. Greg Majewski. Um, that, and they, yep, great guy. And they took on Win On. And talking to him, he owns, as, as a franchisor, he also is a franchisee. He That's owns, correct. He always owns a store of the brands that he franchises, which 
which I think is brilliant. And with the Wing Festival, I live and breathe it every day. I mean, every day, every second I'm thinking. And if you think you can make it better, you make it better. But it's got to always be on top of mind. Maybe I need to get a life, but my life has been this festival and this business. And you always have to be on it. And treat it like it's one of your children. You know, I think that's those are the successful entities that you see out there. And over these years, Drew, you have fought and battled Mother Nature. You've battled hurricanes. We had Katrina. We had, I remember a year that you almost called it off. There was so much rain coming into Buffalo. And then you put up these big circus tents and we were poking the tents with big sticks to get the rain off the top. I can't forget the vision and the optic that that produced. Yeah, it was Hurricane Ernesto in 2006. And I'll never forget the the baseball field. It was the first year. It was just by luck. They created this track covering that you could they put that on the field just in case we had weather and boy it was lucky we did the funny thing was the field started filling up with water and there was puddles of water and toward the end of the festival somebody said did anybody pull the drain (laughs) nobody opened up the drain that's in the middle of the field and all of a sudden all the water started draining we still had 10,000 people under the big top tents and survived it the tough part for me was the next day was beautiful and 80 and sunny and now we had 50,000 people coming one day and that was tough to handle that's the toughest part it's no different than a restaurant when all of a sudden you get hit right you get hit and all of a sudden the kitchen's overloaded everything's overloaded and you could have a bad experience well the festival's the same way if you grow 5, 10, 15,000 people in a year you just don't have the systems in place to adjust that fast because you don't know what's going to happen so over the years you have a plan B and a plan C always ready to roll but I think the festival is the only place, albeit it scales a little smaller than the IFA convention every year, no doubt. But the mentality is the same. We see brands coming from all over the country and now all over the world. We've had brands coming from the UK, from Mexico, but everybody kind of bonds together. And while they're not sitting down necessarily and sharing their recipes, there is a whole lot of caring and sharing that goes on at the festival. I've seen it only in one other place and that's my career in franchising. And here the festival just has that similar mindset and culture of camaraderie and synergy and taking care of each other. You know, it's so true, Stan. So you're always in the same space. So you're really not competing against each other at the Wing Fest or during the year because you're all in that chicken wing space. So if you work together and the whole industry grows, everybody benefits from it. I think the problem comes in when people work in silos, companies work in silos. You got to partner, you got to be out there, you got to be talking to people, you got to learn. Every day you got to learn. And look at what we went through with the pandemic. No doubt. There was a whole learning process and coming out of the pandemic. And even coming out of the pandemic, every year changes between staffing, inflation, people, their habits. People's habits have changed and you just need to adjust with it. And you don't do that sitting within your four walls. You do it by going out and meeting with people and getting together as organizations like your convention, annual convention. That's what we call our Fest, the Super Bowl. It's mm-hmm. an annual event. It's an event to be part of a community and learn. There's one other comparison I'd draw between franchising and the festival, Drew, and that's the the giving back component, the benevolence component. Talk about what you've done and how much money you've raised over these 20 years for local charities. Yeah, it's something we're very proud of, Stan. We've raised over $440,000, all for local charities, in the last 21 years. And we're very proud of that. So, again, it's the partnerships you create. It's not just Drew putting this festival on. It's Drew creating relationships, friendships over the years, and we all work together. It's kind of like the old stone soup fable, right, where the soldier comes back from war, starts boiling a big pot of water, and everybody's wondering what the heck he's doing. Somebody comes up and says, what are you doing? Well, I'm going to make a big feast for the town. 
you want to throw something in? Well, I got carrots. And all of a sudden, somebody throws in celery and somebody's throwing chicken. All of a sudden, everybody participates and supports this meal, and they have a big feast at the end. And that's what the Winfest is, everybody coming together. But that benevolent end of it, where we donate money back to charity, is what makes us all feel good at the end of the day. All right, last question, Drew. Is it going to be Jeffrey Esper? Is it going to be Mickey Sudo? Is it going to be Joey Chestnut? Who's got it this year? Boy, that's a great question. Hey, Mickey's won the last two years, right? So you got to call her the favorite. It's no different than Joey at Coney Island with the hot dogs. You know, somebody's got to take him down, and I think the same thing with Mickey. But the last couple of years, Joey's only lost by like five wins. So that's a bitter pill to swallow. So you know Joey's coming out hard. Mickey's just steady. She trains hard. And Jeffrey Esper is the school teacher from Boston. Just can never count him out. He's always that sleeper that's always in there at the end. Well, we're 38 days out, Drew. I can't wait to see you. Looking forward to it, brother. It's a big, going to be a week, big weekend for you, too, as well. Amen, finally. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys snuck up on me a couple of years ago, and yeah. while I thought we had our inductions all complete, I didn't know that there was a trophy waiting for me, too, for, I guess, all the years that we've been doing this together. I just never thought about me getting into the Hall of Flame as anything other than the chairman. But no, That's great. Well, Stan, you know, you, your listeners might or might not know Every year we induct people into what we call the Hall of Flame. And those are folks that have been chicken wings of the next level, have supported the chicken wing community, and you fit right in. You know, Stan, so um, it's going to be great to honor you this year. Looking forward to it all, Drew. All right, my friend. You stay well and uh, keep counting those days down. We'll see you in just a couple weeks, Drew. Thanks so much for stopping by today and for celebrating with us here on Franchise Today. Well, there it is. I did this one for me, folks, but I hope you enjoyed it anyway. I try to keep it tied to franchising, but it was all about the brotherhood and sisterhood of the wing. Next week, we're back to business as usual, and we'll be talking about Celebrity with its founder and CEO, Richard Huffman. Until then, I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.